We have a huge show planned for you guys today. Joe Biden is now being investigated for having official documents at his personal property. Also in the news, we finally got Joe Biden to visit the place where his policies affected the most, the border. Also, we have Brazil protesting at their Congress, and the left is of course relating this to Trumpism. We have another shooting in Virginia, and of course, like every other time, the left is connecting this to gun rights. You're watching The Demetrius Arujo Show, and I'm your host, Demetrius Arujo. Without further ado, let's begin. I got facts over facts over tracks, this and that, spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. Starting off, we actually have Biden makes tightly controlled visit to southern border, his first as president. Now, I don't know if the CNN article is actually going to go over this, but it's very, very stupid that they're actually doing this, and this is why. It's very stupid that they're actually doing this because of the fact that he not only had the places that he is going to visit all cleaned up the day before he went there, but also at the same exact time, we do not have him looking at the full scope of this crisis. We only have him visiting the places that they cleaned up to make it look nice and shiny for him to go. We also have a failure crisis around the places that he went to. So let's just say that he went to a place like, let's just say Mexico City. We, right outside Mexico City, we have tents set up for the homeless. We have a homeless crisis in Mexico. So why are you visiting the places that they fixed up for you? Why are, why are you going to those places? How about you go and look inside of those cities? Moving on to the article, we actually have President Joe Biden visit the United States border on Sunday for the first time as president, but he did not appear to see or meet with immigrants, including during a trip to a migrant uh, center. Biden spent several hours in El Paso in his first visit to the southern border as president, following growing outcry and criticism that he has not yet seen the crisis cr he created by the record number of migrants treaking to the border firsthand. But the brief visit appeared largely focused on the endorsement issues and speaking with the border, border enforcement personnel. Reporters on the ground did not see any migrants at the respite center during the by the president's visit there, nor along the motorcade routes throughout the afternoon. Yeah, because they cleaned them out. They told them to get out of the city while the president's here to make their city and their town and whatever the hell state that they have over there look nice for President Joe Biden to go over there. Asked to explain the thinking behind having Joe Biden visit this specific center and ultimately not meeting with or inter interacting with any migrants there, a senior administration official told CNN there just was not any center, any at the center when he arrived. Completely coincidental. They haven't had any today. Wow. Wow. Such a, such a coincidence. Oh my God. You just came at the perfect day. Oh, wow. Biden's visit was scheduled at a time where when border crossings have already dropped dramatically in El Paso. Still, CNN's Rosa Flores reported on Sunday that hundreds of migrants, including children, were living on the street after crossing into the United States in El Paso. And nearly 1,000 additional migrants were in federal custody in detention facilities in El Paso on Sunday, according to the city of El Paso's migrant dashboard. The trip came following rentless relentless calls from Republicans who believe the trip is overdue. In addition to Republicans, some border district Democrats in Congress and even Democratic mayors have criticized Biden for failing to address record levels of border crossings. Upon arriving, the president's motorcade drove along a highway that parallels to the to the El 
Rio Grande, and the border, an iron-shattered fence with a barbed wire at the top of the left of the motorcade went down the highway. At a quick stop, Biden stood for several minutes along the iron fence separating the United States and Mexico, and he spoke with officers in green uniforms. The group then walked along the gravel road that about the fence. Biden responded to a few questions from reporters saying that the government would provide every resource needed at the border. Wow, so this is actually sounding a lot like Trump. Wow, make America strong and make America build the wall, like make America strong again, make America great again. Wow, this is sounding a lot like Trump. Wow. He then visited a migrant processing center where he did not appear to meet with any migrants, but did discuss the work underway there with several different workers from that facility. Biden shook every Pearson's hand and chattered quietly, but reporters were unable to hear the exchange. Wow, so so if somebody tells you we had 1.5 million migrants crossing the border just a couple months, and uh, it's very bad here, and you just whisper just small enough for the person that you're talking to to hear you, but just small enough for the reporter not to hear you. Wow, what a coincidence. I'm just talking so softly. Oh my God, and I, I just don't want you listening to this conversation, that's about it. Moving into the next article we actually have, we have breaking. DOJ, FBI probing classified docs from Biden's vice presidency found at Biden think tank. Report says, wow, so we actually have a report of Joe Biden being investigated for having official documents at his personal facility. Oh my God, whoa, didn't we just say this about Trump a few months ago? We were talking about this a few months ago. Well, we got him now. We got him in a corner. Oh my God, he had official documents in his in his uh, in in his Florida vacation spa. Oh my God! But now, when Trump, when uh, President Biden does it over here, it's such a big deal. It's not a big deal. I mean, when when Trump does it, former President Trump does it, it's a big deal. But when Joe Biden over here does it, it's not a big deal. We just say, Uncle Grandpa, you're okay. Like, come on now. Moving on to the article, we actually have Attorney General Mark Garland has reportedly assigned United States Attorney for Northern District of Illinois, John Lurish, to review classified material from President Joe Biden's time as vice president that was discovered at a Biden think tank. CBD, CBS News reported that the, the approximate 10 documents were found at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy Diplomacy and global engagement in Washington. The files were discovered by Biden's personal attorneys when they were, quote, packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare for to vacate office space at the Pennsylvania Biden Center in Washington, D.C. The attorney said that the information was found in a box with other materials that were not classified. CNN reported that some of the classified materials that were discovered included top secret designated as sensitive compartment compartment and information which means that the materials include highly sensitive information obtained but from intelligence sources richard selber special consul to the president said that the moment the material was found in november 2nd that the white house's consul official immediately notified the national archives and the material was retrieved the same day Oh, this is how they're trying to make this seem like a different situation than the Trump situation at Mar-a-Lago. They're saying that they just contacted the National Archives immediately and they said, come get it, come get it. And then the very next day, the National Archives got it. 
So they're trying to say that this is two different situations and they're trying to relate this to to Trump's situation, but not saying it at the same exact time because they don't want to make themselves look bad. Of course, the discovery of these documents were made by Oh, I already said that. The DOJ's review of the materials is the first step in determining what action, further actions could be warranted. The report said, including the possibility of a criminal investigation and appointment of a special consul. Lunch was appointed by the former President Donald Trump and is one of the only two remaining United States attorneys from the Trump administration, the report noted. The other holdover is David Weiss, who is conducting a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's son. I mean, Biden's son, Hunter Biden. So it's just crazy why why they made such a big deal about Trump's national archive, I mean, the national archive situation with Trump at Mar-a-Lago, but they don't make an, a big situation about these official classified documents at a Biden think tank. Like why why is there two different situations going on here? Yeah, because you obviously have your biases and you have your biases. It just does not make any sense. Move on to the, moving on to the next segment, we actually have the headlines of the week. So at the headline of the week, we actually have, okay, we actually have Bolsonaro supporters storm Brazilian Congress. So we, what actually happened? Hundreds of Brazilian supporters, which I like how Bolsonaro, they're trying to blame him. Like, like as if this is the same exact thing as the Trump January 6th thing. They're trying to relate to this situation. They're trying to say that it's the same situation. It's really not. Two different situations, but they're the same situation that the media is trying to do. They're trying to relate this to whoever is the head of the January 6th protest, and they're trying to relate this to whoever is the head of the protest on, I guess, January 10th. So it's like, why, or January 9th. So it's like, why are they trying to blame the people that, that the people are protesting with? Like, they're blaming the person at the head of it. Even though Bolsonaro actually came out and said, listen, protesting is our fundamental right. But you cannot be burning down things. You cannot be rioting. You cannot be smashing things within the Capitol and Congress of our, of our country over here. Even when you condemn these protests, you're still looked at as if you're the bad guy. Why is that? Because anybody that is more right than Hillary Clinton is the bad guy in the media's eyes. So what actually happened, according to CNN, hundreds of Barzanaro supporters smashed windows and used furniture to, to form barricades against security forces as they raided the congressional building. The Supreme Court and the Polonio Presidential Palace on Sunday, at least 400 people have been arrested, authorities said. What's happening now? It's early morning in Brasilia, and the riots are over, according to an official appointed by the president to manage the unrest. The justice minister, the justice minister said security has been tightened in the capital. What Lula da Silva said, visiting the scene, the president promised to punish those involved with the violence. Earlier, Lula da Silva described events as in the capital as barbaric and said a lack of security had allowed the Bolsonaro fascist supporters to breach um, barriers, set up security personnel. How Bolsonaro responded. Writing on Twitter, Bolsonaro also denounced the actions of his supporters, saying that although peaceful and lawful demonstrations were part of a democracy, deparations and invasions of public buildings as occurred today, as well as the one practiced on the left in 2013 and 2017, escaped the rule. So the thing is that he denounced all forms of rioting. So why is he looked at as if he's the bad guy? 
Why is he looked at as if he is the person enabling these riots? Why? Because the media has a bias. The media has it out for anybody that's more right than Hillary Clinton. So anybody, literally. So of course they're going to call him a right wing ring right-wing extremist and of course they're going to be on lula da silva's side even though that lula da silva is literally a fascist taking over the country and and using the country for his own good they're going to blame other people they're going to blame all of these other people they're going to they're going to sit here and blame bolsonaro for for the they're going to blame sit here and blame bolsonaro for all of the things that he did that were wrong through the country but they're not going to sit here and say any everything that Lula did that was wrong to the country. It's just a backroads world. Moving on to another article we actually have from Breitbart. We have European leaders back far left Lula after government buildings stormed in Brazil. Political leaders in Europe have denounced recent protests that saw a number of government buildings in Brazil stormed by citizens on Sunday. Senior politicians in Brazil, Paris, London, and beyond have came out in combination for of recent protests in Brazil, which saw demonstrators storm a number of government buildings in the city's capital in response to the election of far-left Lucinio Lula da Silva, more commonly known as Lula, as president. It comes as the presidential election in South American country remains mired in controversy, which the country's owned armed forces, saying that they could make no guarantee that the poll last year depositing right populist jar Bolsonaro was not absent of serious fraud or irregularities. This has led to a number of serious protests erupting in the country. With many who stormed the Brazilian Congress, the presidential palace, and other important buildings calling for the nation's military to in intervene and, and depose Lula. These protests have now been roundly condemned by politicians across Europe, with officials at both the European Union and national levels taking to social media to denounce those involved. I strongly condemn the assault on democracy in Brazil. This is a major concern for all of us, the defenders of democracy. There's no defender of democracy, first of all. So the, the thing is that the people have the final say. If you are a real if you are a real defender of democracy in your own words, then wouldn't you be in in solidarity with the people making their voice heard wouldn't you be in solidarity with these people actually voting in our case in the united states on november 8th wouldn't you be in solidarity with these people making their vote matter and making sure that they feel as if their vote actually mattered if you actually cared about democracy and you are an actual defender of democracy then you would be doing everything the opposite way that's just so easy to understand quote I strongly condemn the assault on democracy in Brazil. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen wrote online, voicing support for the recently elected Lula, previously imprisoned for corruption and money laundering before his convictions were con controversially overturned. This is a major concern for all of us, the defenders of democracy, she went on to, to suggest. These sentiments was, was echoed by Germany's counselor, Olaf Schools, and Ireland's deputy prime minister, Michael Martin, both of whom decried what they called a violent attack on Brazil's democracy. Meanwhile, Britain's prime minister, Rushai Shunik, 
also condemned any attempt to undermine the peaceful transfer of power and the democratic will of the people in Brazil, adding to both Lula and the government have his administration has have his administration's full support going forward. Although much of Europe appears to be presenting a united front when it comes to the protests in the capital of Brasilia, infighting seems to be a, to have gripped many within the country itself. For instance, while condemning what he called the fascists who, quote, invaded the palace in Congress, President Lula also took aim at his own police force, with the head of the state reportedly accusing them of doing absolutely nothing to protect the capital. Absolutely nothing is in his own words. Quote, they just let the protesters in, Lula reportedly said. Quote, they had, they were in bad faith, ill will. The police officers who protested, pro participated in this cannot go unpunished. Meanwhile, the former president, Jair Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro, had come out and condemned any violence that took place, telling his supporters that they should stick to peaceful demonstrations and they should feel like and they should demonstrations should they feel the need to protest. Peaceful protests, according to the law, are part of democracy. However, destruction and invasion of public buildings like these, like those that happen today, just just as those committed by the left in 2013 and 2017 are out of line, he said. Throughout my mandate, I have I was always within the confines of the Constitution, respecting and defending the law, democracy, transparency, and the scared liberty, he added. He also denounced any attempts by Linda Lula to link him to protests that took place on Sunday. This is just this is just crazy because of the fact that he's not the one telling people to protest. It's like the Trump situation. Trump said, go home, go home. And these people decided to keep keep protesting and keep rioting inside of the Capitol building on January 6th. And then what? And then Trump gets blamed. Why would Trump get blamed? It's like, why would Barsonaro get blamed for something that his his supporters, yeah, but why would he get blamed for something that other people did? I wouldn't get blamed if some if my sister did something wrong. I wouldn't be blamed if some random stranger in the middle of the street got up and, and whacked somebody on the head. Why would I get the assault charge for that? I absolutely would not. I would not get the charge for that. So why would these people at the at the head of protesting get blamed for it? It's like the people that burnt down cities on the BLM riots. Why would I blame the head of BLM? Unless you are the one orchestrating these protests and telling people to commit arson, then you're not the one to blame. Moving on to the next segment, we actually have a dozen takes. Now, without further ado, let's dig in. I don't ever smoke up. No, I don't take. I got no love. So our first article, we actually have judge suspends law license of lawyer of Alex Jones following... The Sandy Hook document leaks. A Connecticut judge just suspended the law license of a lawyer for right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones after he allegedly improperly released court documents from the Sandy Hook defamation case. The files included two years of Alex Jones's text messages, medical records from some of the Sandy Hook families, and other confidential discovery items. At a basic level, attorneys must completely, competently, and appropriately handle the discovery of sensitive materials. In civil cases, Judge Barbara Bellas wrote in the court order that suspended attorney Norin Pattis' license for six months. Otherwise, our civil system, in which discovery of sensitive information is customary and routine, would simply collapse. Bellas said she flatly rejected Pat's assertion that his release for the confidential records was an inadvocate mistake, 
writing that Pettis failed to provide even the minimal amount of attention and care required when it came to handling the Pettis sensitive discovery materials. We cannot expect our system of justice or our, our attorneys to be perfect, but we can expect fundamental fairness and decency, Bellis wrote. There is no fairness or decency in the treatment of the plaintiff's most sensitive and personal information, and there is no excuse for plaintiff's misconduct. Despite his license suspension, Pettis is currently on the legal team representing Proud Boys leader Joseph Biggs as he faces trial and Sidis's conspiracy charges in Washington, D.C. Pettis alerted the judge in the case of his suspension Friday morning, saying that he planned to appeal the suspension and would continue representing Biggs. Pettis will not make any arguments in court on Friday, he said, when he files an appeal and searches whether he can practice law in Washington, D.C. despite the Connecticut suspension. Pettis did not immediately respond to re requests for comment on this suspension. Now, of course, these the CNN article probably gave Pettis probably like five hours to respond. Um, but other than that, if I was him, I would not respond. I would keep fighting for the license. And if you lose the license, then you did something wrong. So I want to see what comes out of this. But as far as I know now, you cannot release private information from, from the people that you ask for information from. Let's just say I ask for personal information from you and then you hand it off to me and then I go and dox you and I expose your information. That's bad. That's not what you're supposed to be doing as a lawyer because you have some sort of cred credibility under your wing. You're supposed to. You're supposed to be at the, the, the person that the people trust at the end of the day. Now, moving on to the next article, they actually have a CNN article. Gun allegedly used by six-year-old in Virginia school shooting was brought by a child's mother, police say. This is according to CNN. The gun allegedly used by a six-year-old boy to shoot his teacher at a Newport News Virginia school was legally purchased by the child, child's mother, officials said. The boy took the firearm from his home to school in a backpack. Friday, Newport News Police Chief Steve Dew said Monday. The teacher was providing class instruction when the six-year-old child displayed the, a firearm, pointed it at her, and fired one round, Drew said at a news conference. There was no physical struggle or fight. The teacher was shot in the chest, drew her hand, the chief said. She was in a stable condition, he said. Drew declined to comment on whether the gun had been secured in a home, saying more interviews and investigations were needed. Yeah, and of course, there should be more investigations because you should be locking up your gun. The bare minimum. You're going to leave it on the table right there in front of your child and your child's going to be like, oh, what's this, mommy? And then put it in the school backpack with next to your, your chicken nuggets and your ketchup? Like, are you serious right now? You're not going to watch your kid. You're going to make a bologna sandwich for him in the morning, pack his school backpack and not double check to make sure he has a loaded firearm in the school t backpack, like next to his notebook in his pencil case next to his number two pencils. Are you serious right now? What kind of mother are you leaving your kid to go to school, not even double checking to make sure what he has in his backpack is what he needs for school and to take out anything that could be incriminating to you? Like, what? The teacher was providing... No, I already read that. Drew, uh, I already read that too. We have been in contact with our Commonwealth attorney, and there are some other entities to help us get the best services to this young man. This young man? No, the mom needs help. The mom is actively neglecting her child. Like, what? Like, why is the child? The child is literally six years old. You're going to blame the child? The child doesn't even know. He thinks he's in a Fortnite match right now. Like, what? One of the interviewees... And one of the 
Once all interviews are conducted, police will present the information to the Commonwealth Attorney's Office to determine whether there will be any char charges against the parents, as there should be. The teacher was first identified by her alum miter, James Madison University, as Abby Zoyer. The school, Rhetoric Elementary, will be closed this week to give students, quote, time to heal, the school announced. The police chief, Newport News Mayor, and the school superintendent on Monday praised the response by Zuer, school staff, and other teachers after the shooting. Did the police the no god I can't talk. The police department received a call at 1:59 p.m. on Friday that a teacher had been shot. Drew said, when officers entered the classroom where the shooting happened five minutes later, they saw the boy was being physically restrained by a school employee. Of course, the six-year-old was combative and struck the employee resisting him, and officers took control, escorting him out of the building into a police car. The wounded teacher made sure all the students made it out of the classroom just after the shooting, Drew said. She was the last to leave the cl her classroom, making her way to the administration office. Newport News Mayor Philip Jones discussed meeting heroes while a Marine and said Zuer, while a Marine and said Zuer would be welcomed along them anytime. Abby was faithful as a teacher, Jones said. She, in she ensured everybody was accounted for and that she was the last one to leave. What we saw was we, what we saw were teachers who took immediate response to secure their students, Newport News Public Schools Superintendent George Parker said, to make sure they separated themselves from the potential threat, then they responded accordingly. So this is actually very interesting, and this, like I said, is all on the mom. The mom should be arrested, and you should, frankly, have to serve time in jail, and take your kid away from you while you're at it. Moving on to the next article, we actually have an MSNBC article. We have Scotus sides with death row prisoner and texas prosecutors in wild case what is this wild case well the supreme court isn't friendly to death row prisoners in fact it's downhill it's downright hostile well yeah duh you're on death row for a reason so it was most almost surprising on monday morning when the court sided with texas prisoner alrear escobar sending his case back to the state to further review of course this is what always happens with death row victims or death row prisoners, I should say, not victims, death row prisoners. You do something very, very evil. You kill a bunch of people, just like the Boston Massacre. You kill a bunch of people and you're still not dead. Eight years later, kill the goddamn person that killed many other people. You're on death row for a reason. Kill them already. To be sure, the court has helped the Trump administration jumpstart federal executions isn't having an identity crisis. Indeed, it refused an ex execution stay on Monday to, for another Texas prisoner, Robert Frieda. And in another Texas death row penalty case, the court rejected an unusual appeal that somehow referred to an interview with comedian Jeff Ross. So what was different in Escobar's case? Believe it or not, Texas prosecutors agreed that he should get a new trial because of the faulty DNA evidence used to convict him in 2011 of murdering Bianca McDonald, as the New York Times reported. Five years after Mr. Echobar's trial, an audit by the Texas Foreignistic Science Commission revealed shortcomings in the DNA lab's work, including failures to follow scientific protocols, bias, contaminated samples, and inadequate training. The lab suspended its operations and it had never responded. 
and it had never reopened. But wait, if the prosecution agreed with the defense, then what was the case doing in the Supreme Court? Thank the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals for that. The state's top criminal for criminal cases has the unusual destination for making the Supreme Court seem even-headed sometimes. The state court didn't even acknowledge the prosecutor's position when it ruled against Escobar's last year. It wasn't too surprising then that the Supreme Court told the Texas court that it messed up, though the justices said so legalistically. Well, duh. Why would the justice, the Supreme Court justices, talk like a normal person? They're going to talk like a scholar because they're supposed to be a scholar, you dum-dum. The case is remanded, is remained to the Court of Criminal Appeals for Texas for a further consideration in light of the confession of error by Texas. The brief order read, in part, remarkably, no justices dissented from the order, including ones most likely to rule against death row prisoners. Conservatives Clarence Thomas Samuel Alto, and Neil Gornosh. Of course, this doesn't mean that the high court has gone, quote, soft on death row appeals. Look no farther than its actions in other cases on Monday alone. The Supreme Court rebuke of the Texas ruling says more about the state court than it does the Supreme Court. If anything, the fact that it was up in the air whether the justices would even acknowledge the Texas prosecutor's confession of error is an incitement of the court itself. MSNBC, you're just so stupid. Your takes are the most stupid. You take a good thing. See, we're reconsidering this case. You take a good thing and you just make it sound so stupid. You make it just sound so uneducated and so dumb that I, for one that supported the reconsideration of this case, now does not want the case to be reconsidered because you just made it sound so stupid. Listen, you reconsidered the case because the DNA evidence was contaminated with other substances. Why are you relating this case to other factors that does not have anything to do with this case, MSNBC? You're trying to make the case that the general court generally makes bad statements and bad, and bad conceptions and bad orders on cases regularly. It does not. The, the court looks at the evidence in front of them. And if the evidence in front of them clearly showed that you were the one to kill somebody, then the court will agree that the evidence, the DNA evidence that they have in front of them is the one that matches yours. But they do not have any say in whether or not the DNA was contaminated, contaminated or not contaminated. How is the court supposed to know this? If the state does not admit it at the time of the trial, then how is the court supposed to know that the DNA evidence that they had in front of them was contaminated? Like, it just does not make any sense, MSNBC. Now, moving on to the next MSNBC article, because I just love putting my blood sugar up, my blood rate, my blood pressure up. We have the GOP House for Confiscation that never should have happened. As the House prepared to hold its 14th vote for Speaker late Friday night, Kevin McCarthy and GOP leaders seemed quite confident that they finally had the votes. Their smiles quickly faded. McCarthy still didn't have the support he needed to prevail. Shortly before midnight, it had become clear that Republican leader was poised to fail once again. And as motions ran hot, McCarthy and others faced their pressure on Rep. Mark Gatiz of Florida, one of the ringleaders of the GOP's anti-McCarthy fraction. In an NBC News reported, one member in particular tried to apply pressure in an unusually aggressive way. After Gatiz voted pre present, leading the uncertainty over the outcome 
of the 14th ballot of the Speaker late Friday night before it officially was announced that McCarthy had lost. McCarthy approached Gatiz in the back of the chamber. A tense back and forth ensued while a member of the Republican lawmakers became to crowd them. Rep. Mike Royers, Republican from Alabama, appeared to lunge in the direction of where Gatiz was sitting but was held back by other members. The Alabama appeared a little too eager to physically confront Gatiz. No kidding, because he was angry. That's what angry means, MSNBC. And Rogers, and Rogers was trailed to, on the floor by Republican Rep. Richard Hudson of North Carolina. As Rogers approached Gatiz, it was Hudson, who seemed to understand what was about to happen, who grabbed Rogers from behind before matters could escalate farther. This is actually the video we responded to last week. In case this wasn't obvious, actual violence on Capitol Hill perpetrated by sitting members of Congress is incredibly rare. But it should happen more often because, like Matt Welsh said in his newest episode, it would make C-SPAN so much more enjoyable. The canning of Charles Summer in 1856, for example, remains one of the most shocking events in American political history. A related brawl on the House two years later was sh less shocking, but it led to one Mississippi congressman to have his hair piece his hair piece ripped from his head, and I would have loved to hear <laughs> would have loved to see that live. But the rarity of such confrontations is partly what made Friday night's hostile hostility so remarkable. Members of Congress routinely refer to colleagues, even those who hold in concept as their friends. They do not move toward literal physical fights inside the chamber. For those looking for evidence of a House Republican conference that is certainly out of control, Rogers offered disheartening proof. The fact that Alabama will chair the House Armed Services Committee added insult to near injury. Rogers, a 20-year-old veteran of the institution, knows better than that to conduct himself in a such fashion. Now, I know exactly why Rogers was mad, because he just worked three days in a row, and he never worked more than that consecutively ever before in his life. So he was a little bit mad that he was staying overtime, and, you know, he was working every day, and uh, he had to go and, you know, actually not go home for more than half of the day and, and he was mad because he actually had to do his job you know all of these things that are very angering to most of us you know you know why wouldn't it be angry you know you you have to work and you know you you have to actually stay at work like why why do we have to do that rogers i just don't get you moving on to the next article we actually have from npr we actually have a college student created an app that can tell whether an AI wrote an essay. Now, this is actually very interesting because as AI becomes more popular, we actually have chat GDP, GPT, which if you did not know already is a very, very, it's like Siri, but even more smarter. You can actually ask this AI any question in the world. You can ask it any specific thing. You can ask it to write you a 500 page paper on, I don't know, the Exodus from the words of Dr. Seuss. Let's just use that for example. And it'll write you that 500 page essay in the words of Dr. Seuss. You can use, you can tell it to write you a, uh, a movie trailer concept. You can tell it to write you a song in the words of Cardi B. You can actually tell it to do anything at all. So in a video coming out this week or next week, I'm actually going to be debating with the second most popular um, chat 
GDP, I would say, or Chat AI. It's called. It's the company called Open AI, and um, this company is actually very, very smart because I've been wrestling wrestling around with the um, chat back and forth, and we we have been debating, and it's actually very, very like non-biased. But you can also tell where it has its biases. Um, now moving on to the article, we actually have, let's see, teachers worried about students turning in essays written by popular artificial intelligence chat box, chat bots now have a tool, new tool of their own. Edward Twain, a 22 year old senior at Princeton University has built an app to detect whether text is written by chat GPT. The viral chat box that sparked fears over its potential for unethical uses in academia, academia. Titan, a computer science major who was minoring in journalism, spent part of his winter break creating a chat PT0, which he said can quickly and effectively decipher whether a human or a chat GPT authorized an essay. Authorized an essay. His motivation to create that bot was to fight what he sees as an increase in AI plagiarism. Since the release of ChatGPT in late November, there have been reports of students using the bank breakthrough language model to pass off AI-written assignments as their own. There's too much ChatGPT hype going around. Is this what is this and that written by AI? We as humans deserve to know. Titan wrote in a tweet introducing ChatGPT. Titan said many teachers have reached out to him after releasing the bot online on January 2nd, telling him about the positive results they've been testing it. More than 30,000 people have tried out ChatGPT0 within a week of its launch. That's really good. It was so popular that the app crashed. Streamlit, the free platform that hosts GPT0, has since stripped in its in, stepped into support of Titan with more memory and resources to handle the web traffic. How GPT0 works. To determine whether an expert excerpt is ran by a bot, GPT0 uses two indicators, perpetuity and burstedness. Perpetuity, per oh my god, I can't even say any of these words. Perpexity measures the complexity of text. If GPT-0 is perpetrated in by text. Okay, so I'm just going to stop it right there because this is just too complex for the general viewer and more importantly, me. It's too complex. So how it basically works is it analyzes the sentence and it sees if a human wrote it or a chatbot actually wrote it because a chatbot or an AI cannot fully make variations of sentences the same exact structure as humans because humans are purely random robots are not purely random and that's ultimately what he researches that's exactly what he found and that's exactly what this chap um gpt0 actually does now it's giving massive like um it's giving massive like um i would say like teacher's pet vibes but I would say that it would be more beneficial for society to actually have this chatbot rather than not have it. So it's better for him. Moving on to the next article, we actually have another NPR article. We have Biden's national security advisor is hopeful war over Taiwan can be prevented. Well, is this true or is this not true? Well, moving on with the article, we have tensions between the United States and China over Taiwan have raised in the prospect of a potential military conflict. But National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan believes such a scenario can be avoided. 
there is risks of conflict with respect to Taiwan, but I believe that with responsible stewardship, we can ensure that the congruency never comes to pass. And that is our responsibility, he told Morning Edition host Steve Inskeep in an interview, exclusive interview. Sullivan, however, acknowledged that achieving this objective will require, quote, hard work and, quote, coordination with allies. It will require us following through the, on all the commitments of the Taiwan Relations Act, which for 40 years now has said that we provide defensive articles to Taiwan, and it will require direct diplomacy diplomacy with the People's Republic of China, he said, the C, the, or the China Communist Party, more, more widely known. We have to make this a priority to ensure that there is not a war over the Taiwan Strait. On November, on December 23, I mean, China urged the United States to stop, to stop testing Beijing's red line on Taiwan, which China considers part of its terrorizing, the terroristy, terror, territory, I mean. The United States must take seriously China's legitimate concerns, stop containing and suppressing China's development, and particularly stop using semi-tactics to constantly challenge China's red line. The Chinese Foreign Ministry said in a statement, Chinese leader Xi Jinping raised the issue of the Taiwan with President Biden during their meeting with G20 summit in Bali in November 2022. He reinstated that the Taiwan question was a very core of China's core in in interest and the first red line in bilateral ties. Beijing further stroked tensions by con conducting multiple military exercises in the Taiwan Strait over the past year. In late December, China spent, sent 71 military planes and seven ships toward the island over a 24-hour window after Beijing expressed anger of Taiwan-related provisions on the ominous spending bill. Sylvian's comments about Taiwan are part of an interview that touched on a number of other national security concerns, including semiconductors, Ukraine, and Middle East. The interview had been editing for length and clarity. So the thing is that, that yes, we need to make sure that China and Taiwan do not go and start attacking each other. We cannot have Taiwan being taken over by China because Taiwan creates every single chip we use for all of our electronics, all of our cars, all of our everything. They Taiwan actually produces all of these chips. Now, the number one thing that we can do as America is start producing these, self, these things ourselves. But of course, it is very too expensive and nobody actually wants to invest that heavily into our production in the United States. Now, moving on to the next article from Fox News, we actually have, if I can get this website up fast enough, we actually have fresh off speaker battle, GOP looks to pass rules package that has already ruffled feathers within the party. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, fresh off his day's long battle, to secure his new position will once again have to get his party on the same page as they vote on a new House Rules Package Monday evening. Now, again, what did I say a couple days ago? The first objective as you being the House Speaker of the House of Reps is to make sure that you have the majority. If you do not have the majority, you do not get the speakership. If you do not get the speakership, you do not have the majority. And if you cannot get your party in action and with you on something, those few people that held you up is also going to hold every single bill up that you want to pass. So good luck with that. I already said this, but Fox News is a little late to the game, I should say. The package's proposals 
include capping spending at the 2022 level for the next 10 years. Now, good luck with that because every single time that we had a cap on the spending, it never got anywhere. And if we ever want to halt the expenses and we wanted to shut down the, the United States for a couple of days because we are protesting the spending, then we just give up a couple of days later. And the Democrats know this which is expected to result in a significant cuts for existing programs. What programs exactly? This has some Republicans like Rep. Tony Gonzalez, Republican from Texas, worried that defense spending will be splashed. Exactly. We can't have defense spending be slashed. We need to actually cut Social Security. We need to actually cut Medicare and Medicaid. Well, Medicaid is different, but Medicare. We actually have to actually cut mass health we need to cut obamacare like these are the things taking up 87 percent of the debt and then the other seven percent is our interest to the debt our seven percent of the debt is interest to the debt like that's just absurd this is a proposed billions of dollar cut to defense which i think is a horrible idea of course it is Gonzalez told CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday, when you have an aggressive Russia in Ukraine, you've got a growing threat of Russia and Pacific. You know, I'm going to visit Taiwan here in a couple weeks. How am I going to look at our allies in the eye and say, I need you to increase your defense budget, but yet America is, is going to decrease ours? Gonzalez said he plans to vote against the rules package, leaving McCarthy a ready slim majority even slimmer as he tries to get rules passed. Rep, Rep. Nancy Marr, Re Republican from South Carolina, also told CBS, I do not want to see defense cuts, saying that he was unsure, she was unsure about her support for the rules. Rep. Jim Jordan from Republican from Ohio, who was expected to lead the House Judiciary Committee defending spending cuts even for defense, in a Vox News Sunday interview, he pointed to the government's massive debt, saying Everything's have to, everything has to be on the table. Jordan suggested that military cuts could be made by eliminating woke policies and re-examining aid to Ukraine, allowing the government to focus more on troops and weapon systems. No, I agree. You know, I love Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan just comes out with the most like awesome stuff. Yes, we should. We should cut the woke policies that we have within our military. We should cut spending on Ukraine. Okay. How it works is if you are a weak nation, you're going to be taken over from another nation that is stronger than you. And if you do not have the own your own ability to stand up on your own two legs, then why do you think that America is going to stand up on your own two legs for you? And what's going to happen if we don't fund you anymore? You're going to collapse? That's not our problem. Are you going to ever pray for our wars if we have a war? No, you're not. Because you don't have the money for that, and neither do we. Quite frankly, we don't. Moving on to the next Fox News article, we actually have, if I can actually get this Fox News article up fast enough, Dr. Phil School's guest on reality of defunding the police. Now, I watched this already, but we're going to watch this again because I just quite, I just frankly find this so funny. Oh, voice crack. Fresh off the... No, it's not this one. It's actually on this one. So this clip is actually very funny, so I recommend everybody watch it. So let's dig in. Of course, we have an ad here. Talking about housing, 
clean water, food, all of these things that are part of an equitable society. You're talking about people that will do desperate things in order to survive. And so you're not solving anything by arresting those people. You're not solving anything by shooting and killing those people. I agree with you 100% on society's failures about how that person became a criminal. My point is we also live in the here and now. And if someone invades my home and has my wife held hostage in the bedroom tonight, I don't give two about where they came from tonight. And I completely agree with everything that Dr. Phil. What is going on with Fox News, my guy? Okay, god damn. You pause the video and like 20 different clips come up. Like, come on now, Fox News, fix your stuff. I just want to pause the video. That's all I want to do. I don't want to look at 500 other videos. Just want to pause the video. Just want to pause the video. Damn. Can I just pause the video, Fox News? I, I just don't know what's going on with Fox News right now. Anyway, I completely agree with what Dr. Phil said. Completely to the T. If you are born in a society that you say raised you to be a certain way, and you have my family at gunpoint, why would I care where you came from? Put my family down or you're being shot in the head. We're living in the here and now. Not, oh, before you were born in this case. I don't care. Get the hell out of my house. Put my family down. Give me back my money that you stole from me. Give back the Clark money that he you stole from him too. Nobody cares where you came from. You got to keep your hands to yourself. You got to make it out for yourself. If you had a bad situation growing up, you make it better by trying. You actually live your life like a normal citizen. Get a job. Be successful. Go through all of the challenges and tribulations, tribulations of building up to the CEO. Go up the corporate ladder like the normal person. Work a nine to five job. Work up the corporate ladder, and then you can see your successes in hindsight. But in the here and now, stealing ten dollars isn't going to help you get a long term anything. It's not going to let you get a long-term career. It's not going to let you live a happy, happy and fulfilling life. It's not. And if you kill somebody, you're going to have to live through and suffer the piper of your decisions to do that stupid action that you did. It's nobody's fault but your own to sit there and have a criminal life. You making a foolery of yourself by by embarrassing yourself, by robbing people, by art by committing arson and lighting buildings on fire is not showing that you can be a, a productive citizen of society. It is instead showing that you do not have the ability to function in a living and equitable society that you so desperately want. That's what it's showing. And on that note, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Demetrius Rujo Show. Thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. Hey, 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 were you really going to click off this video before leaving a like and subscribing down below? Wow, so rude.